So we're in this series, this summer series, we kicked it off last week, called The Greatest Stories Never Told. The whole idea that I was telling you last week was, we want you, my desire is for you to grow more in love with God's word, the Bible. That you would fall more in love with the Bible through the summer as we discover new things. You know, it might be a story you've never heard of before. It might be a story that you have heard of, but you really don't know much about it. We want to dig deep into God's word, look beyond just the David and Goliath stories and the parting of the Red Sea stories, and find some of those stories and those individuals that we don't really hear a lot about, but they're still so great. We learn so much out of them. So my, my true heart's desire is that you would grow more in love with God's word as we go through this entire series. So let me kind of tell you who this morning's for. Some of you, this is just going to be good to learn, good to know. I hope you have a good morning. Uh, but there's going to be some of you that this is going to speak directly to. If you're somebody that you believe in God's word, like, yep, I, I believe in this, and you believe in the stories, you believe in the miracles, but it doesn't seem like it's actually happening in your life, then this morning is solely for you. You read the stories and you read the miracles of the feeding of the 5,000 and all these great stories. And you're like, it's kind of like when you hear about somebody winning the lottery. Like, that's an awesome story. That's great. Good for you. It's never going to happen to me. If that's you, then this is what I want you to get out of this morning, that it is still happening. That the great stories, the great miracles that we read about, as we're going to see, they still are happening today. In fact, Romans, we're not going to land there, so you can just look at this on the screen, but Romans 15, 4 says this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in scripture, in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have, and what's that word there? Hope. So everything that God's word is, and remember, God's word is alive. God breathed these words. So this is his word. The stories are his stories. And scripture tells us that everything that was written, not just the big known stories, everything that was written through his word, in his word, is useful, it's helpful, but that it would provide, and what was the word again? Hope. That it would provide hope. And this is where we kind of get a disconnect. We hear the great stories and we hear the great miracles, but they just don't seem like, well, that's not going to happen today. I mean, I, I don't think Lake Lanier is going to part for us necessarily, <laughs> Right? We're not going to see a parting of the sea necessarily, right? Or at least that would be cool. God most certainly could do it. I don't think we're going to see that, though. So how do we apply those? What do those miracles actually mean in our life other than being a cool story, a neat story to hear about? How do we actually read those miracles and then put them into our own lives and say, wow, God is still doing something, and it's still very evident, so scripture gives us hope, the Old Testament, the New Testament, both, even the miracles that seem out of this world, they provide us hope. And my hope is that we're able to maybe look at these miracles a little bit differently. Not just the big ones we, we probably know about, but the miracles that we might not know very much about. Now you need to know this about miracles as we get into this. Uh, there's several different kind of categories or types of miracles. And if you think through it, all, all the different miracles that you might be aware of, you've got some that are very healing focused. You have some that deal with raising the dead. You have others that deal with nature, like when Jesus calmed the storm or he walked on water. You know, there's just kind of categories. The category that we're going to look at is usually the category that we're wanting in our life, the type of miracle in our life that is a problem-solving miracle. So there was about 5,000 people. They were all hungry. Jesus did a miracle that solved that problem. He fed 5,000 people. 
Right? There's those types of miracles. The Red Sea parting. The Israelites were coming out of Egypt. They're running away from the Egyptians. They're now stranded. They're stuck. There's no way they were on their, the Egyptians were on their way to attack. The Red Sea was in front of them. There's no possible way to get through this unless God did something. God solved a problem, parted the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry ground. Those are the miracles that we want to focus on because those are the ones that we want in our life. God, I have a problem God, I need you to do what only you can do, and I need you to solve or help fix, do something that I can't do to solve this problem. Because again, everything that we read in Scripture, everything that God put in his word is for, and you got to remember this word, we're going to keep coming back to it, for what? Hope. It's all for hope. So the problems that we have, what is God actually doing? What has he done, but what is he actually doing to help with those? Because we all have problems, right? God, we want you to do a miracle in our finances, miracle in our marriage, miracle in our family. I mean, go through the list. We want you to do a miracle to solve this problem. Now, to help us with this, you're going to have to view these miracles through a little bit of a different lens. And this is a great Bible study tool. So if, if you're even through this summer, man, I want to learn how to study the Bible even more. We want you to grow more in love with God's word. Here's a way that you can maybe look at miracles a little bit of a different way. So if you're a note taker, you are going to love today. If not, you're like, this, this feels like school all over again. Well, you'll be fine. All right, so we're going to ask three questions as we go through a miracle. The first one, and they're all kind of what's. What happened? Okay, first question, what happened? The second question is going to be what did God do? You don't have to be able to read my handwriting. Don't worry about it. Then the last question we're going to ask is then what happened? Three important questions that are going to help us view miracles a little bit differently. Because typically, we, like, again, we, we read a miracle, we hear about a miracle, like, wow, that's awesome. Doesn't help me whatsoever in my situation. But we're going to see that actually it is helpful. It does apply. Every miracle that we look at is going to absolutely apply. So three questions. What happened? What did God do? And then, then what happened? So to try this out, I'm going to go through a, a story, a miracle that you probably haven't heard of. It's going to be very applicable for you this morning. Well, in some way. So if you got your Bible, head over to Acts chapter 20. Acts 20, the book of Acts is all about the acts of the apostles and the disciples, those that followed Jesus, but then after his crucifixion and resurrection, the acts of the early church. So we're seeing a lot of great things happen. A lot of miracles are happening in the early church. Here's a miracle, very incredible, a very incredible miracle, uh, but you're going to see it be a little fitting. Here we go. And you might not have heard of this. Anybody heard of Eutychus? I'm so glad you showed up today. You're going to learn about Eutychus today. Acts chapter 20, here's what we read in verse 7. Again, remember, everything that Scripture has is for hope. Verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came to gather to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. So understand exactly what's happening. Paul, the Apostle Paul, remember Saul, now Paul, he's traveling around to different areas, kind of gathering the believers together, and he's only there for a short, short amount of time before he goes to another area, another early church, another church plant, if you will. And he's got limited time, so he's got a lot to say, short amount of time, so he kept on talking until midnight, we're going to end right on, the, on, on 10.30. I'm just letting you know. This is not going all the way till midnight. 
Verse 8, there were many lambs in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Some of you, I can see you up here just so you know that. And I know those of you that had a late night last night because you start to sink into sleep. That's what's happening. Paul kept talking on and on. Look at this. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Let that sink in for a second. A young man died because of Paul's preaching. That's awesome. (laughs) And not because the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of his soul. It was because he fell asleep and fell out the window. You can't make this stuff up. Verse 10. So Paul went down. He threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again, broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, Paul left and everybody cheered. (laughs) Then the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Incredible miracle. And there's very few raised from the dead stories and miracles throughout scripture. There's a handful of them. This is one of them. And we don't, we don't really talk about this one a whole lot. Preachers especially don't talk about this one a whole lot because, well, a preacher caused a death in this situation. So I guess the first application, how do miracles apply? I mean, as a preacher, I have to really keep to my time clock because we know it could possibly happen if you go over on time. But no, there's a couple of things that all miracles say to us. The first one is God is able God is able, right? Here's time and time again and another example of God showing up and doing something only God could do, and he uses other people many times. In this case, he used the Apostle Paul to not just heal somebody, but raise somebody from the dead. God is able. I mean, a miracle simply stated is what we cannot do humanly, what's not humanly possible, God steps in and does. What we are unable to do, God is most certainly able to to do. He is able. If you get anything out of reading the miracles, Old and New Testament, know that God is able. He can do whatever he wants. Scripture even tells us this. He even talks about himself in this way. Genesis 17, verse 1, first book of the Bible, says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, this is God talking to Abram. Here's how he described himself. He says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. He says, I am God Almighty. The word there, you might have heard this before, is El Shaddai. That's El Shaddai, God Almighty, literally meaning the God that can do anything. That's what El Shaddai means. And so when God appears and and talks to Abram, he's saying, I'm El Shaddai. I'm the God that can do anything and everything. God is able. Jeremiah says it this way. He's talking about God. He says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Look, nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. It's funny, if you keep reading through that chapter, God actually comes back and says, you're right, nothing's too hard for me. He agrees with Jeremiah in that. God is able. Now, most of us probably wouldn't deny that. You you read through the Bible, you hear the stories, you see see in Scripture the miracles, Okay, I get it. I believe that that happened. God most certainly is able, but then here's the disconnect. Does he still do that? Brian, that's a great story. That's a funny story. That's that's a miracle, no doubt, but does he still work in that way? Just because he is able doesn't mean he still is, right? So, So what do we do with that? How does this miracle and any of the miracles, how do they actually 
help us and provide, what Romans say it provides? Hope. Because just the fact that he can do it doesn't give us hope. It's when we realize he still does that it provides hope. And so know that God still does. God is able, but God still does. Now, how do we know that? I mean, I've personally never seen somebody raised from the dead. God's able, but, well, I'm not seeing it, so how do I know? Right, that's the question. How do I know that he still works? How do I know that he still does miracles? How do I know that he will intervene in my life? How do I know that he will work for me on my behalf and do a miracle? If we don't see it, how do we know? Here's how we know. Because it's in the very nature of God. It's in the very character of God. You don't have to go there, I'll put them on the screen, but here's how we know who God is. Psalm 86, 15, here's just a couple. But you, Lord, are, com- are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Abounding in love and faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2, 13 says, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself because it's who he is. God is faithful. It's in him. It's who he is. Second Timothy said it well, perfectly. He cannot disown himself. He cannot go against who he is. He is full of being faithful for us. So when he says he's going to make good on a promise, when he says he's going to do something on our behalf, when he says he's going to show up, we can trust that. That's where our hope comes from. Not because maybe we, we've, we've seen it. We've seen somebody raised from the dead, or we've seen the sea part, or we've seen one of these miraculous miracles that we would say but we have faith because he is faithful that's where our hope begins to cultivate and begins to come from so god is able i believe that god still does i'd like to believe so right that's what we would say i I think so i'd like to believe so but i'm not seeing it we have to trust his word once again trust that he is faithful that's who he is And if we can rely on his character more than what we just see, we'll start to see truly and see it in our lives that he is faithful and he makes good on his promises. So God is able. God most certainly can. But still that doesn't help this miracle. As we read through Eutychus, thinking, how does this apply to me? Unless Brian continues to talk over on and on and on and on. How does that actually apply to me? Well, I'm going to make a quote, and and I was telling our our team earlier today, I'm going to quote somebody I don't think I've ever quoted in a sermon before. Are you ready for this? Here's the quote. Miracles happen every day. Change your perception. Now you see it. Change your perception of what a miracle is, and you'll see them all around you. The great theologian of Bon Jovi. (laughs) But it's so true. We get this idea of what a miracle is, and what a miracle should be, and what a miracle should look in our lives. And when that doesn't happen... We quickly make the assumption that God's not working. Let me say that again. We make assumptions and we have expectations about what a miracle is and should be in our life. And when it doesn't happen the way that we want or the way that we expect, our assumption is God is not working. So God is able, but I don't think he still is. That's where we go. When we don't see him working the way that we want him to work, we move not just he's able, but we say he's able, but he's just not anymore. But he's faithful so he is, we need to adjust and change our perception and our expectation of miracles. So let's go back to this. We had three questions, right? What happened? What did God do? Then, 
what happens. So let's go through it with this miracle. Let's think of the miracle of Eutychus, poor guy that fell out the window because of Paul's super bad preaching. All right, what happened? In a nutshell, what happened to Eutychus? He died. Right, so we're talking about death. Death happened. God showed up, right? That's what a miracle is. God did something that humans cannot possibly do. Really no other explanation other than God showed up, God did something. So in this, in this miracle, what did God do? He brought him back to life. So death is what happened. What did God do using the apostle Paul? He brought back to life. Back the key word there. He brought back to life. Now, typically, this is where we end. What happened? Oh, there was a death. Something happened. Well, what did God do? We just stop here because this is the miracle. This is what we couldn't possibly do, right? Well, he brought him back to life. And that's where we get stuck because we said, man, well, I've had death in my family. God never showed up because he didn't bring him back to life, right? We, we put the what happened, and understand, this still happens, whether it's death or something else. Problems happen. Remember, we're talking about the problem-solving miracles? Well, what happened? Well, I, I had a problem, and I didn't see that happen. I mean, I saw it in Scripture, and man, good for Eutychus, but that didn't help me in my situation. You see the disconnect here? We have to ask one more question. Then what happened? So there was a death. God did what only he can do. He brought him back to life. But don't stop the story short. Don't short-circuit the miracle. I want you to go back and look. Beth, we can put this back up there. I want you to look at verse 12, because this is what we see happen next. And you'll see this in the other miracles as well. Verse 12. The people took the young man home alive because of what only God could do. Look at this. Brought him home alive and were greatly comforted. Greatly comforted. That's the miracle. Let me help you understand why. Death happened, something happened. We are promised, Jesus promises us that we will have trouble. He says, you will have problems, you will have trouble. He says it in multiple places. In fact, in one place, he says it in Matthew, he says, in fact, don't worry about tomorrow because today's gonna have enough problems of its own. He says it again in John. We're gonna have problems. Things are gonna happen. Life is gonna happen, Right? And we keep waiting to see a resurrection. We keep waiting to see the Red Sea part. We keep waiting to see Jesus feed the 5,000 in our day and age today, and we don't see it. And so we're like, God, you must not be doing miracles. But you're missing the point of the miracle. This was the entire point of the miracle, to comfort. That was the end result, if you want to think of it in, in that terms. Through the process of the miracle, this is where it ended. Verse 12, let me read it again. It says, the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. That's what happened because of all of this. Someone died, God did a miracle, brought him back to life, but the true miracle is the fact that they were comforted. You see, we are not promised anywhere in Scripture, because Scripture, what is to bring what? Hope. We are promised hope. We are not promised when I say brought back to life, I don't mean in the spiritual sense, but there's no promise that says if you get sick and die, God will bring you physically back to life. Now, we saw miracles throughout Scripture where that happened, but that's not a promise. We're promised that things happen. We're promised that we're going to have problems. Do you know we have a promise that we will be comforted? Let me show you this one, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all, what? Comfort. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God says, I'm the God of comfort. I'm going to comfort you when you have your troubles. That's a promise that you can hang on to. You can have that expectation that when you go through troubles, God is going to comfort you. Now, here's where we get confused oftentimes is here's the promise, but we want this to be the promise. We want to see God do something just out of this world. And God's saying, no, 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 that's not my promise. I promised you comfort. Yes, I will do whatever it takes to give you comfort, but this is going to look different. This is always going to look different. If you've experienced death in, in your life, a family member, a friend, as a as a pastor, I have kind of that double-edged sword, the bittersweet side of walking a family through death, but showing them the promise. Did a funeral just a couple weeks ago. Young man died, and it was just unexpected, of course, devastating. And what do you tell a family? They didn't bring him, God didn't bring him back. God doesn't care. God must not be working. So as a, as a pastor, what do I tell a family where their son died unexpectedly, and it seems like God's not working? said, the miracle's not over yet. That's how God worked in this story. The miracle is the comfort. It makes no human sense that we could have comfort in times of grief. That makes no human sense. Right? You can have friends around you and shoulders to cry on, but at the end of the day, the comfort that you get is a miracle of God because it comes from God. We are promised comfort. We are not promised a resurrection in the physical sense, but we are also promised that things are going to happen. The point of this question here is to get to that promise. So what I'd encourage you to do is start thinking through the promises that correlate to every miracle. You look at, again, let's use the Red Sea, a great example. Well, God's a God that provides he says, I am going to provide for you, in fact. He has a name for that. He says, I'm going to provide, so I'm going to provide a way out for you. The Red Sea was a way to provide for the Israelites. We see a lot of provision miracles, but the promise is that he provides. The promise is not that he's going to part water anytime you ask for it. But that's where we get stuck. As a believer and as a Christian, we look at the Bible and if we're not careful, we say, that's a great story. Doesn't help me in my situation. You read a story like Eutychus, that's a great story. That doesn't help me in my own grief. It does. Because scripture brings what? Hope. And at the end of Eutychus' story, his family and his friends were given comfort. That is the promise. The miracle that we, what we would call the miracle is a way for God to get to the promise, to fulfill the promise. Remember, it's in his nature to be faithful. What he has promised, he will do whatever it takes to make happen. So start thinking through this in your own life. Recently, what's happened? Because we know we're promised trouble will happen. Things are going to happen. And we're looking for one of these, but I want you to skip this for a second. All right? This really needs to be almost the last question. So let's move these around a little bit. Because that's what we get hung up on, right? So think of it in this way What happened 
lost a job, lost a friend, lost a family member, our marriage is on the rocks, my kids, you name it, financially, what happened? And as you start to walk through it, God, what did you do at the end? Did you provide? Did you provide comfort? What was the promise that he fulfilled? And then this is the coolest part. After answering these two questions, you get to look back and say, okay, where was the miracle? Because we don't always see it. Unless God truly does part the Red Sea or brings manna from heaven, we often miss it because we're looking for something specific. It's like Uber. Anybody ever been on an Uber ride? Now, if you've ever Ubered, there's things you're promised and there's things you're not promised. So for example, you know, when I was in Nashville a while ago, it's like we Ubered everywhere. So you get on your phone and then you type in, here's where I'm at, here's where I need to go, and, and I know exactly how much I'm going to pay and I know when they're going to show up. And I know that they're going to take me to point B. Those are all promises. I can expect that to actually happen. What I'm not sure about, what's kind of up in the air is the person that's going to pick me up. There's been some different ones. <laughs> the kind of car that's going to pick me up. And there's been some different ones. The smell within the car when they pick you up. There's been some different ones. Right? The vehicle of which we get from A to B can change. We're not guaranteed or promised the Corvette every single time. And if you just keep waiting around to be picked up by a Corvette to take you from A to B, you're going to miss the Ford Taurus that's ready for you. That's the way we view them, though, isn't it? We say, God, I want you to do something great in my life. And he's like, I am. I am. You're missing it because you're waiting for something that you would define as miraculous when this is a miracle in and of itself. So it's not just the comfort. It's all about the promise. Then what happened? God was faithful and fulfilled his promise to you. God was faithful and fulfilled his promise to you. So if these are all of our, what we are now calling problems, what promises are you holding on to? That's what we learn out of miracles. That's why the miracles in the Bible, whether it's the Red Sea or whether it is Eutychus, that's why they provide, one more time, hope. Because our problems are our problems, but our promise is a promise from God. And he makes good on his promises. He is able, and he still does. This looks different. What did God do? It's going to look different for you, for me, from what we read out of Scripture. It's different. Our promises remain the same. And he is faithful, and he will continue to be faithful, whether it's comfort, whether it is provision, whatever that promise is, if it is his promise, then he'll make good on it. So let me give you some homework this week, this summer, to help you dive in a little bit more. I'm giving you three things each week, something to read, something to pray, and then something to do. So if you want to take a picture of this, or once again, I'll throw this on social media for you. I want you to work on this. I'm going to kind of give you this as an exercise to do, asking these three questions. So I'm going to give you another miracle that you might not have actually heard of before. 2 Kings chapter 6, 1 through 7. It's a, it's a great miracle about an axe head. And some of you may know it, some of you may not know it. All of you, I hope, will dig into it a little bit. Seven verses. And as you read through that miracle, I want you to ask these three questions. What happened? What did God do? Then what happened? And see if you can find the promise that was fulfilled in that miracle. Because I've never experienced the miracle the way that it was in 2 Kings. But I've ex experienced the promise that is the same. Does that make sense? So there's something to read, something to pray. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being 
faithful, I believe we're not thankful enough. And I believe the more we're thankful for his faithfulness, the more we'll pay attention to this, the less we will begin to worry about this. Because we know that God is faithful and he will get us here. So be thankful. Start making a list if you need to of all the things that you can be thankful for regarding his faithfulness. And the last one, something to do, discover a miracle. Here's what I mean by that. Discover a miracle in your own life. I want you to go back. It's easier to do this after the fact, right? Just like if we were reading through the story of Eutychus and I stopped with, and he fell from the third story and was picked up dead and we stopped it there. It's incomplete. You, we don't know what then happened and we don't know what God did. We don't know yet because we're still at the problem phase. So it's very difficult to get all the way through this kind of a study until you're past it. Right? So think past where something has been resolved, and I want you to discover a miracle. What was a problem you had, and then how did it end up? And it doesn't always end up the way that we want, so don't make that mistake. Look for the promise tied to it, and then say, well, what did God do to get me to that promise? What did God do to provide in that way? What did God do to strengthen me in that way? What did God do where I knew he would never leave me? Those are the promises that we can hold on to. Those are the promises. So go back and see if you can discover a miracle in your own life. What was a problem? And what did God do? See if you can discover one of your very own miracles that you might not have seen as a miracle in the past. But as we walk it through in this way, it becomes evident that God is able and God still does because he's faithful and it's who he is. All of us had of a problem and all of us were given these promises and, and the most significant promise that we were given was the promise of eternal life. Not, not in the story we read of Eutychus of a physical resurrection, but when we die, we don't just die and go into nothingness. We die, but we live forever with eternity, in eternity with him. We have that promise because that's exactly what is told us in scripture. First John chapter two, verse 25. And this is what he promised us eternal life. You can't get much more clear than that. That's our promise. So if our promise is eternal life, let's work it backwards. What was our problem? Sin. We've got problems. We make mistakes. We run from God. Scripture even says boldly enough that we are enemies of God, but he wanted us to live with him forever, so he had to do something, right? He had to do something that was out of our grasp that was outside of what we could do, outside of what we are able to do, and to do something that only God is able to do, and that's why we have the cross, isn't it? Our problem was that of sin, but God gave us a promise that he would do whatever, whatever it would take to get us back to him, and that's why we have the cross. Galatians says it in this way. It says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. This is our rescue, and it's a rescue that could not have come by anybody else. It was a rescue that could have only come from Jesus. Our problems also show and give opportunities for God to fulfill a promise, and that's when we see the miracles happen. Discover a miracle in your life. Look for him, because I promise he's still working. We just have to reframe, as the great Bon Jovi said, reframe how we view miracles.
So we're going to take some time and do that this morning. Uh, when you walked in, you should have gotten uh, communion. And if not, we've got guest services folks ready. Um, if you'll just, you're not going to bother anybody, if you'll just raise your hand if you did not get um, the cup and, of juice and cracker. We've got a couple over here. Uh, we'll make sure you get them. But communion is a time to remember the miracle. What was the problem? Our sin. What's the promise that we'll live forever with him? Grace, eternal life, forgiveness, life to the full. Those are the promises we get. But may we not miss the miracle that happened, the miracle of the cross, that Jesus did whatever it took to make that promise actually happen. So here in just a moment, our band's going to come up, I'm going to pray, and then we want you to just take a minute to reflect and to remember on the promise, but also the miracle that it took to get to that promise. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for doing whatever it took to get us back to you. That our problems are not our problems to solve on our own, but in your, in your ability, you continue to do just that. That you are able and we most certainly are not. That you still work in our lives, even though we may not see it the same way as we did in your word. The fact remains that your word provides hope and that you are faithful and you continue today in our own personal lives, you continue to be just that. You continue to do miracles in our lives and the cross is just one more example of that. The most significant example, but another example of you being faithful. So God, may we reflect and remember on the miracle of the cross. May we be thankful and grateful for the promise that you fulfilled. And God, may we not worry about the problems. May we not worry because we know that you are able and that you still work. So God, give us a new, a new lens to see your word through. Give us the eyes and ears to see and hear your word like never before. That we may see you working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.